and welcome to the She Can Recover podcast with me, Sheila, a recovering addict with BPD. I believe that struggling with mental illness is not something you should have to do alone and that every single one of us has the potential to thrive and achieve our goals whilst navigating the hostile conditions our mind sometimes places us in. Join me and guests every Sunday as I share tips and skills that we've learned along the way discuss hot topics in mental health and hear stories of experience, strength and hope across the community. I'm really excited to be on this journey with you and really hope that at least one person hears my message, you are not alone. Thank you and enjoy. I'm posting a little earlier this week as I'm heading up north for Christmas, so I'm not around this weekend. However, On today's podcast, I speak to Em, a videographer and creator who co-runs the Antisocial Theatre page on Instagram with her partner Jake. Em suffers from OCD and she opens up about her experience with this and some of the coping strategies that she's developed, as well as discussing a lot of the misconceptions around OCD. It was such a fascinating discussion and I learned a lot during it and I think you'll enjoy it. Huge apologies for my cat Tina, who was demanding so much attention throughout with her constant meowing in the background. I think she just really wanted in on the conversation. Anyway, on with the show. Enjoy. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Am I better calling you Emily or M? You can call me M, most people. Um, Call me M, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed on your messages it's M, so I thought I'll just check first. Um, so I guess we're here today to talk about your experience um, and strength in navigating the world of OCD, mm-hmm. obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. So I guess, can you share your personal experience with OCD and how it's impacted your life? Yeah, of course. So um, I, well, officially started with OCD when I was 14, I think. Um, I, I do, looking back and going to therapy, I think I may have had it for a while before that but 14 is sort of where I had like a big flare-up of OCD that's where it got quite bad um and it was just so so random when it first came on it was just an intrusive thought that just popped up one day when I was at a family party um and ever since then like nothing's been the same like my whole life has been impacted by it my whole personality um like every day has been impacted by that so when I first started with the OCD it was under the category of harm OCD. Um, so that's when you experience like very violent and intrusive thoughts um, about harming people that you love or even harming yourself. I've suffered with those thoughts as well. Um, and any thoughts that I just didn't want to have, like violent and aggressive ones would just push their way back in. So that's how it started off for me. Um, and then through those intrusive thoughts, I developed things called compulsions, which are used usually to offer some reassurance. Um, to gain that reassurance from the the intrusive thoughts and the obsessions that you're facing. So those compulsions could be things like reassurance-seeking was a big one, Um, confession. So when I started when I was 14, any thought that I had, I would have to tell my mum that I've had this thought. And it would be like such a big deal to sit her down and prepare to tell her this thought because I just thought, you know, I'm like a monster, I'm a terrible person and I'm going to have to tell my mum this. Um. And it's just been sort of up and down like that for whatever well, since then. 
Um, then I started with some like physical compulsions, so the ones that are more visible. So it was things like I had a specific ritual at night time, which was I had to shake a dream catcher in my room five times. Um, and then I had to clean like behind my nails five times every night to make sure that I didn't um, act on these intrusive thoughts and that the intrusive thoughts didn't come back in. Um, and it's just been like that ever since. And um, it took me a while to get therapy for it. I think it was maybe two years before I started going to therapy. Um, and it's just taken me a long time to fully accept the extent of the OCD. And it's manifested itself in many different themes since I started when I was 14. Wow. How did you go through diagnosis? So when I first started with it when I was 14, it was like, that was the, the turning point for me when I realised that there was something not right. Um, and I didn't visit a therapist for until I was about 17, 18, I think, because I was too scared to speak to anyone professional. And I was also in the mindset of, I'm fine, I can just do this myself. So I remember for two weeks after I first started with the OCD, um, I went through like quite a depressive episode where I wasn't able to get out of bed. I was really suicidal, um, like having thoughts about self-harming and not wanting to tell anyone these thoughts. And I remember I eventually contacted my mum one day, but I had no idea that it was OCD because whenever you see anything about OCD on social media or like not social media, but in films or you hear people talking about it it's never anything like this um and then when I told my mum she was just like it's okay like this is OCD um and it turns out that my sister suffered with the same thing as well since she was quite a young child um so after that point I sort of seeked help from my sister and my mum regarding the OCD but as with any disorder I think prolonging getting that help it it pushes things to a breaking point I remember I was at a breaking point once in college and there was a like a triggering documentary that we were watching. I think it was like about an abuse case. And I just remember like having like such a horrible intrusive thought and just this panic setting that I was like those people were watching the documentary about. And I remember running out of the room and like I just couldn't cope with it and I was having a panic attack. And that's when college offered me like help for it. And that's when I started getting the professional help for um the like for OCD but even going to that first like professional I wouldn't tell them the extent of my thoughts I'd sort of changed the way that I was thinking about them so I'd tell them that I was having a thought but I'd dim it down so I didn't have to tell them the full extent but that again pushed me from not getting help for a while because I wasn't being open about it and then it wasn't until two years ago where I paid for therapy um and that just that just changed my life completely that that really started me on that that path to recovery yeah for sure I mean it sounds like um what you've described um it goes so much more beyond having that intrusive thought it sounds like it's impacting so many different aspects of your mental health and your physical life yeah it is it's very debilitating I think it's people always call it it's a very sticky disorder like my therapist always calls it so it really like gets its claws in and sort of it, it sticks to you it's hard to to get over really so you've been in therapy for what did you say about two years with a paid therapist? Yeah, so I started about two or three years ago. Had ten sessions, mm. then stopped, and then this year, um, well, last year I had a really bad year in, in with grief. I lost a few family members, and my dad became quite ill, and that just 
tapered a lot of stuff off. So I restarted therapy again um, a few months ago and I've just got to a point where I'm happy to pause it for now. But I've sort of accepted that I'll probably be in and out of therapy for most of, of my life, I think, just because of the way the disorder manifests and changes. I always need that, that outside help, I think, to get through it. You mentioned that your sister's also got mm-hmm. OCD. Um, is it something? Is it something that runs in the family, or is it? Um, how does OCD form? Where does it come from? I, I was thinking about this earlier, um, and I'm not sure how it actually forms, but I think it can be something that does run in the family. And I know that my mum has always had issues with things like that. Um, I think especially after she she became a mum, which a lot of um, new do face similar kind of things with intrusive thoughts um but she's always been an anxious person my mum and my brother is quite an anxious person as well so I think maybe it's sort of just it, it just is in our family um I, I can't think of anything like traumatic that happened that maybe would have triggered it off so I think it must be for me more a genetic thing and I think it, it can it can run in families that's really, really interesting. I actually didn't know that about OCD, but there's there's loads of things I, I, I don't know about it, despite having a cluster. Well, I don't have cluster C, I'm in cluster yeah. B. But um, what would you say is the co- most common misconceptions about OCD? I think the most common misconception is that anyone with OCD is like a neat freak or a perfectionist. I think the phrase, I'm a little bit OCD, gets thrown around quite a lot. And when you hear that, you you would kind of think that it's an adjective, but it's not. It is like a debilitating disorder and it's not just someone wanting to keep their room tidy or someone wanting to clean a lot. It's it's far deeper than that. Um, and cleaning compulsions and perfectionism compulsions can be a part of OCD, but it's actually a really small part of it. I think we did a post on it social a few days ago about it and I think it was 26.5% of people actually only have the cleaning part of it um I might be wrong on that one but I think it's about 26 then so that's one of the is that exceptions is that 26% of people who get diagnosed with OCD have got the cleaning compulsion the cleaning and the okay. compulsion so it's really weird that the like media portray it as a, a cleaning perfection disorder but it is it's far darker than that um so that's one of I think the biggest misconceptions we did um write a post about it as well about the myths I think we did five myths for OCD um and another one was that it's um not treatable so it is treatable it's just not curable it's not something that you can be fully cured from as with most disorders I think it is unfortunately just the the way the way things are it can't be cured but it can definitely be treated with with things like therapy that I've been going to and even medication can help alleviate okay yeah that was my next question is what are some of the um coping strategies that you've developed over the years to manage the symptoms well through therapy the one thing that I always get taught is unconditional self-acceptance um and that's just where you would take the obsession that you've got and sort of look at it face on and accept it as it is um, and not shy away from from that obsession and learn to give yourself unconditional self-acceptance which would just be sort of saying to yourself you know if something were to happen if this bad thing were to happen it, it could be out of my control and sort of becoming 
like becoming okay with the unknown and the uncertainty so that's I think where a lot of people struggle with OCD it's with uncertainty um and the unconditional self-acceptance it's also accepting that thoughts are just thoughts and that the thoughts that you get about OCD related so intrusive thoughts even though they're really scary and violent uh, often it's no different to another thought that you'd have about what you did yesterday is what my therapist also says the only difference is is that the intrusive thoughts that you're getting you don't like them and you pay a little bit more attention to them so the main strategy is it's exposure therapy and it's just allowing yourself to acknowledge that the thoughts are there even sometimes agreeing with them I've done in the past agree with the thoughts Mm -hmm. and just say yes this is true and even though it sounds really weird to do that if you repeat that over and over again the fear that you have about that obsession will slowly start to slip away and that's how get free from it and it's kind of like a a mind trick thing and also when you are doing that it's important to realize that it's not that you're saying this is true and I am this kind of person it's just saying that some things are are out of your control and just learning to to accept that thoughts are just thoughts and and they're just the same as any other um exposure therapy is is the biggest thing that's helped me and that's just exposing yourself to the to the obsession that you've got to the to that obsession that's so interesting it sounds really similar to um radical acceptance that we get taught about in dialectical behavior therapy the same i think it's the same kind of thing um and there's another thing that you can do as well which is it's called bilateral stimulation so it's when you're repeat the the thing when you repeat it over and over again it's called a repeater i think so when you do your repeater if you tap sort of side by side it brings you into the room again keeps your focus on what you're talking about so you don't drift away and go into your own world um and by doing that and using the repeater it brings you back down to earth and also takes away that fear and again i just want to like reiterate that it's not me saying this is who i am it's just simply saying i can sit with the unknown and i can sit with these thoughts and even though they're scary and i'm terrified of them i'm not going to let it stop me and it's not going to um, push me away from doing the things I want to do with my life yeah acceptance sits, seems to sit I've spoken to quite a few people about different disorders and being a recovering addict myself um, people talk about acceptance in the rooms a lot yeah. and it's one of the hard it's such a simple word and one of the most difficult things to do yeah. to accept what's happening in the moment to accept the circumstances to accept the things you can't control and um yeah I I find it really hard and I think um just when you were talking about having these obsessive thoughts I I relate to um having ruminations Mm. so I will re-go over the same situation over and over and over again there's nothing that can be done about it but I don't know about when you get these intrusive thoughts does it is it attached to another an emotion as well so because what I'm asking I suppose is when I get a rumination, it's attached to maybe heartbreak. So I keep feeling the emotion and the thought yeah. at the same time. Yeah, definitely. So um, rumination for me is a compulsion. So it's a compulsion for a lot of people. And I think sometimes people don't realise that it is a compulsion because all you're doing is thinking about the thing. But it, it's what you're doing when you're overthinking that specific scenario or that specific thought is you're trying to seek some form of reassurance to acknowledge that it didn't happen or that you can change it. Um, so with me for my emotions it's all fear-based so 
any intrusive thought that I have, if it's like a violent one, I'm scared that my family won't love me anymore or my partner will want to leave me because I'm experiencing these thoughts. I suffer with relationship OCD as well, so I worry that my partner will leave me. And every intrusive thought that I get just brings this fear. And I have a, a really bad um, fear of abandonment as well, so it triggers that for me. And it's kind of like the intrusive thoughts. I think a lot of people experience intrusive thoughts that don't have OCD. But when you do have OCD, it's attached to that emotion, like you said. Um, it's, it's sadness it can bring along. Just any un It's uncomfortable and, and fear mostly for me. Yeah, it sounds quite similar in a way to borderline personality disorder. Yeah, if you that sort of fear of abandonment, and then I get the obsessive mm -hmm. uh, rumination, probably not quite to the same degree of intrusive thoughts that you experience. Um, do you have BPD or is it OCD specific? It's OCD. My therapist, I think, when I was in therapy, she did say there are traits of BPD there because I was to her about things that has happened in the past and the way that I react to situations and I struggle to control my emotions anyway um it's something that I've always really struggled with and I look at situations in a very black and white pattern it's either mm -hmm. extremely amazing or it's just the worst case scenario ever so I think she said the you know there could be traits of it there and my fear of abandonment is obviously a childhood based thing um, but because it's my OCD that's so prevalent, I found that just focusing on the OCD alleviates any of the other traits that I may get. And obviously the relationship OCD is just a big thing for me. So, and I, I think you were you right in saying it is very similar sounding to BPD anyway. So it's like, it's almost difficult when you, when you have mental health disorders, because it's like, they all kind of link in at some point. Yeah. So it's like, which yeah. one is it? And that's why I think it's important to, to get help like when you can because I think it can stop other things from developing as well. Um, and it's just a, it's hard to, to navigate these things because there's so many different like um, intricate scenarios with each disorder. It's, it's so difficult to, to navigate. It is. I've found that the deeper into my journey that I go, the more I really relate to so many different um, disorders. Yeah. And um, and I, I think where I've kind of reached a conclusion is I see a lot of in-arguing on things like TikTok with people getting caught up on terminology mm -hmm. and who's got this. And actually, I just feel like taking a step back and saying, Do you know what, let's deal with the set. I just want to manage my symptoms. I just want to feel OK. Like if it's bipolar, if it's BPD, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I know what my diagnosis is, but I'm just going to manage this. Yeah, and it, it was similar for me when, when the therapist mentioned BPD. She said, you know, you can go through um, a psychologist and get diagnosed, but your therapy for OCD will have to stop. I think because you are getting another diagnosis, you can't have therapy for something else because it might overlap and um, affect you in some way. Um, but I just thought, I don't want... If I've got that, then I've got it. But I need to manage, like you said, the symptoms that I've got. And I think, you know, I don't... Having OCD or BPD, regardless of whatever it is, it's, I'm suffering with my mental health as it is anyway. I just want to receive that help and alleviate those symptoms. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned your relationship OCD. Mm -hmm. um, how do you make that work for you? How do you sort of interact with your partner to make sure you feel safe and secure? Yeah, so 
Jake's really, really good in the sense that he knows what my OCD is like now. So he knows not to give me reassurance, which is a big no for anyone with OCD. Um, and he'll also know now how I can ask questions to get reassurance, but not so it's so obvious and direct and he starts to pick up on things. So that's a really big thing that he does for me is not offer that reassurance. Um, but he still listens to everything that I'm going through. And, you know, even uncomfortable situations that it might bring up, because when you have relationship OCD, one of the things that you can obsess over is the fact that you might have cheated on your partner as well. So obviously bringing that up in a relationship is, is a really difficult thing and Jake suffers anyway with his own mental health. It's almost like I don't want to mention anything in case it triggers anything for him, but he's, he understands the OCD so much now. I think he can just sort of help me accept the feelings that I've got and he can sort of detach himself from that so that's how he keeps me safe um and yeah I think we we just work well together because we both understand each other's disorders now and it yeah it just sort of goes hand in hand <laughs> yeah for sure just going circling back you said um giving you reassurance is a big no-no what why is that the reassurance seeking it is a compulsion Okay. So as much as it seems like the go-to thing if someone's suffering with OCD to say, no, you definitely haven't done that, like I know you 100% would never do that, what it does is it um, feeds into the OCD cycle. So you get reassurance and then the next time you get intrusive thought, it will have switched and changed slightly or it will have got worse and stronger. Um, and then you get reassurance again and it starts back up and it's just a constant cycle. So the compulsions that you have, you have to break them all completely. And it is so difficult to do. It's like, you know, I have to physically restrain myself from from confessing or reassurance seeking. Sometimes it, it can be so, it's just so hard to, to not do compulsions. It's, it's like so ingrained in me almost to just want to go and do these compulsions. Yeah, so you might have um, had a um, an obsessive idea that you've robbed a bank, mm -hmm. but you you people can't say to you, you would never rob a bank. Don't worry, you've not done yeah. it because your brain will trick you and say, oh, you, it was a different type of bank, or uh, you know something. It will else. come back worse, or theme will change to something else. I'll then go on to relationship OCD. Um, and my therapist yeah. has even said, just agree with your OCD. Just say, yeah, I have. And it breaks that cycle. You don't, you're not scared of it anymore. And like I said, it's not that you're saying, I definitely have done it. It's just you accept, you're accept accepting the OCD and then yeah. it can't scare you anymore. And that's how you get out of that cycle. I, yeah, I can't imagine what that must be like. The closest thing I can think of is um, when, uh, when I leave the supermarket and the alarm goes mm. off. But, but it's not me. I haven't yeah. stolen anything. I genuinely start to believe I'm going to get found guilty for stealing something, even though I know I haven't. Yeah, and I think <laughs> you know that everyone thing? experiences little bits of it. But then imagine yeah. it like every single day you're waking up and genuinely believing that you've done something. It is it's really weird. It's a really weird disorder. And obviously talking to it about someone that doesn't have any mental health disorder, it's almost like... That, that can't be right like you can't possibly think you've done something that you haven't done but the mind is very very powerful is there anything that people say to you that frustrates you mm -hmm. um about OCD or when you talk to them about your symptoms I think the biggest thing is 
And I always feel a little bit bad for getting annoyed because I think some people just like to relate to you when you're in the conversation and I think it's quite normal. But if you say, oh, you, you go to talk about your OCD and you say, this is what I suffer with. And they say, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit OCD too. I um, can't leave my room in the morning without making my bed. And it's like, I get what you're trying to say, but it's just not, it's just not it. And the reason it annoys me so much is that stopped me from getting help for so long because I kept hearing people talk about OCD and people saying to me, you can't have OCD, you're a really messy person. And it's like, it's just so insulting. And I think it worries me that other people that are young and vulnerable might hear what people are talking about with OCD and then not get that help. And it, it manifests in a really bad way for them. So that's another reason why I try and be brave and talk about it, even though sometimes talking about it can trigger me. But it's, it's the best way for me to expose myself to it and also hopefully help other people out there that, that feel the same way or have felt the same way. Yeah, it's really important. It's, it's really good to have people like you talking about it and raising a platform for um, this disorder because, as you've said, it's so um, stigmatised yeah. and misunderstood. Uh, and I'm with you. I get really frustrated when I explain maybe a borderline symptom. Mm-hmm. Like if someone says, what's it like to have borderline? I'll say, you know, we're very scared of abandonment. I'll do anything to get someone to stay with me. I can be impulsive, I disassociate. And I remember someone saying to me, oh, you mean you stare into space? Everyone does that. I do that all the time. And And I was like, (laughs) it's not quite the same. I'm completely debilitated. It is horrific. I've I've suffered with it before, dissociation, so I know it's not like a daydream. I think, yeah, people seem to... I think they just want to relate, but it comes across as really offensive. And when it's your personal story, it's like, no, that's so... That's so not it. Like it's not helpful at all, is it? Yeah. Um, is there any resources or local support groups or um pages that you've found really helpful in your recovery? Mm-hmm. Um the first that I ever looked at for OCD was um it's OCD UK. Um they're they're a UK based charity that, that help with OCD. Um, and it's all like volunteer based, but they put a lot of um, stories out on the forums. And I think if you suffer with OCD and you see a, a story forum that might help you or might relate to your scenario, I think it can be useful to read into, it, maybe introduce you to to the OCD and then even showing therapists that if you're worried to talk out loud about it. Um, and there's another one called OCD Recovery on Instagram, who's really great. Um, like an OCD group that speak a lot about unconditional self-acceptance. Um, so that is... And then o- the... Is it an Instagram page? Yeah, OCD Recovery Con. Um, and they talk about unconditional self-acceptance and completely accepting everything and sort of giving you um, ideas on how you can break free from the OCD. Um, and the, there's a lot of OCD pages out there that are actually really helpful. Um, and... I think if you if you just look at the hashtag on Instagram and find the actual pictures, mm-hmm. all of them they speak about the same thing, and it's really helpful just to look at people's stories because um, it can make you feel like it's relatable, it's relatable to see those to see other people's stories. And like I said, I've even done it before when a forum that's similar I'm feeling, and then I'd show it to a therapist to help me um, instead of having to say it out loud or show someone that like in my close support system 
And then I guess I was going to ask, um, you run the anti-social theatre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that right? And um, what, um, what is that and what do you, what do you do? So I run anti-social theatre with um, Jake and he's probably spoke about it last time, but um, we started out as a, as a theatre company that wanted to um, raise awareness for stigmatised mental health disorders through controversial art and theatre. And then the COVID pandemic happened and we sort of switched to more of a digital platform. So we've stuck on that for a little while. And Jake has ASPD and obviously I have OCD. Jake's got traits of BPD as well. So we put videos and posts out there about our experiences and it's just like sort of a safe place where people can understand the disorders and hopefully relate to it if they're suffering with it as well. Um, but our aim was to go through and do it um, like using the arts because Jake's an actor and obviously I'm a videographer and an editor. Um, and yeah, we Jake writes monologues and I will create them into films and it will be our personal experiences. Um, and it's just using that, that creative um, form to, to sort of heal ourselves and hopefully others as well. I love that. Uh, almost everyone that I speak to has got some sort of creative element to them um, that they've said helps them. Do you find that it helps you? Definitely. I think, as I mentioned, exposure is a big thing for me. So writing up a post and then putting it out or videoing um, myself talking about my story or even coming on podcasts and then putting that out on our pages, it helps me with the exposure and helps me accept my OCD and who I am. Um, but obviously I'm, I'm a videographer and I'm passionate about, about that, like filmmaking. So that is really nice to be able to put my story out there and Jake's story out there as well in the form of art. It's really therapeutic. I think, like you said, a lot of people have a creative platform or um, purpose that helps them through their disorders. So videography, that is really, really interesting. I'm actually just really interested in that. Um is that your job or is that your passion? So it's my passion, but it is also my job now as well. So oh, I, really I get to do it full time. But um, doing it with antisocial theatre is slightly different because it's obviously mine and Jake's passion. So we can sort of um, create the videos that we want. Um, yeah, it's, it's so yeah, that is my passion, but it's also my job as well. That's awesome. Um, and then I guess the last question I've really got is what advice would you give to someone who suspects they might have OCD or they're struggling coming to terms with their diagnosis? Yeah. So I think for someone who thinks that they might have um, I think that my first that you aren't alone with what you're thinking. And even if they are very violent, intrusive thoughts or it's a theme that you think no one else will have, there is someone out there that has OCD that has had that thing before um, and there are support systems out there that can really help and obviously I'd recommend looking at OCD UK just on their forums mm -hmm. it can help introduce you to that um, that OCD but when you're starting out with OCD it's really scary and very overwhelming um, and for someone that's struggling to accept it I think even just saying that you're struggling to accept it is is a step in the right direction. And it's not something that will happen overnight. It's a lifelong process. And even myself, I think I'll always be trying to accept what my OCD is trying to say to me next um, and trying to accept that I have OCD. But you can live a completely 
happy and normal life and you can do the things that you want to do as well and a big thing for me is is the unknown I hate the unknown I hate uncertainty it stresses me out so much but an affirmation that I always say to myself is I am strong enough to sit with the unknown and it is true you're strong enough to sit with the unknown so even though your OCD is throwing all these things at you you can accept it and just take it bit by bit try and cut yourself some slack and, and just take it bit by bit but I would definitely recommend speaking to someone um, and professionals out there they do understand OCD even though it is mis, um, it's misunderstood I think in the media professionals do understand it um, and it and getting help has, has honestly been the best thing that I did I don't think I would have been able to do it without actually moving forward with that amazing amazing your story is really inspirational and I'm sure lots of people will get something from that and I love that you know I love an affirmation and <laughs> um, I'm strong enough to sit with the unknown yeah that's my go-to I think for OCD strong enough to sit with the unknown wow no that's really powerful oh thank you so much for taking the time out of your um your day um and have a wonderful um have a wonderful Christmas yes I know it's I can't believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um yeah, thank you so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I can't wait to use M's affirmation. I am strong enough to sit with the unknown. If you want to give me any feedback or you have any suggestions for the podcast, then please feel free to contact me on Instagram at she underscore can underscore recover. Or you can get in touch with me by email, Sheila, that's S-H-E-I-L-A, Sheila, at shecanrecover.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. I just want to close by saying I wish you a wonderful Christmas or holiday season, no matter what you're doing. I know this can be a triggering and difficult time for many of you and I just want you to know that you're not alone and this too shall pass. Reach out, talk, write it down, but please don't bottle it up and please stay safe. You are loved. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.